welcome to track number eight of Tell Them. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Amen. Is it powerful? Now, the people who preach the gospel, you know, the word gospel, good news, was used to define or explain somebody who brought good tidings of victory, of a war that your town or your country was fighting. So, the people in the town would wait anxiously for news. And then, they would see the person who was bringing news of the battle coming over the mountains. Hallelujah. The bearer of good tidings. And so, the prophet Isaiah said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that carry good news, good tidings, glad tidings of great things. So the gospel was brought by some particular people who ran in a particular way. And when the bearer of this good news reached the town with the good news, And they would change the entire city into a place of rejoicing. Shops were closed. All businesses were closed. People come out into the street and a carnival begins. Because of the news, the kind of news that they have had. Because if that news hadn't come, it means that their armies have been defeated. And the other army is going to come to them. To capture them, rape them, kill them, burn their houses. They were going to perish. So the person who was bearing the good news. ah, He was a special person. He was a very important, wonderful bearer of glad tidings. That's why it says, how lovely on the mountains. Are the feet you and you could tell from the way they come a bearer of the good news. They brought good tidings, and that is what we are when we bring good news to different towns, glad tidings of good things, of salvation, of deliverance, that you are saved, that you will live again, that you will not perish, that you will not go to hell. That is the meaning of the gospel. The good news. The glad tidings of good things. Gospel salvation. Hallelujah. So when you are a soul winner, you are one of those beautiful people coming down the mountain. And the people can see from the way you are coming to the town that you are bringing very good news. You are bringing very, very good news. Which is changing their lives forever. Hallelujah. How many want to carry some of this good news? To towns that are waiting for the good news. And the good tidings. Of glad news. Hallelujah. So that is the 16th reason. Why you must be a soul winner. Number 17. You must be a soul winner. Because the emphasis of the end time church must be to complete our assignment of winning the world. I'll say it again. Because the, as the end time church, amen, the emphasis, our emphasis, you see, must be to complete the task of winning the world. Because Jesus Christ said, 
in my time, in my name shall come many, saying, I am the Christ. They shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. Be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel, did you hear me? He said, this gospel, amen, amen, shall be preached in all the world, all the world, for a witness unto all nations. And then, then, and then shall the end come. None of the things you hear about in the news are the sign of the end, the very end. The sign of the very end is the gospel being preached to every nation. The Bible says there will be earthquakes, there will be wars, there will be rumors of wars. But don't worry, these things, they will happen. They have to happen. But he goes on and he says, at the end, he says, then the gospel shall be preached to every nation. And then shall the end come. So he says, that's not the end. Then at a point he says, that's the end. So the end end is the gospel being taken to every nation. And so we who are at the end of the world must be emphasizing on completing this task of preaching the gospel to every corner and in every nation so that we can let Jesus come to the earth. That is why we must be soul winners. And every pastor must be a soul winner. Can I have an amen? amen. Number 18. Because soul winning is important because all ministries amen alright must point to the harvest. Amen. Amen. All ministries. Ministry of the prophet. Ministry of the pastor. Ministry of the evangelist. Ministry of the teacher. Must all lead us to Christ. And to winning of souls. You see, if you are a prophet or a pastor and you lose concentration on the harvest you become a different kind of pastor or a different kind of prophet you can easily become a prophet who is like a magician with little little tricks yes but a prophet is one of the fivefold ministers whose work must also ultimately lead to the purpose for which Christ came. Because a prophet didn't come for a different reason. He came for the same reason that Christ came. So even though he may take a different line, he must point towards the same direction. I was once talking to a prophet and I asked him, how come whenever you have a vision, it is basically showing I see a dwarf standing by your leg. A motia. I see a certain man in your village who is preventing you from prospering. I see an accident. I see this. I see this. So I was asking the prophet that, does he not get any revelation that says, I see you being a missionary? 
God has revealed your, your ministry is going to be in certain villages. How come there's no vision like that? That is why the Bible says, despise not prophesying, but prove all things. To prove all things means to question it and pass it through the examination of the word of God. Every prophet must examine because the reason why is because prophets also are human beings. And just like a pastor, if a pastor is a man, he will preach in a certain way. Because he's influenced by the fact that he's a man. And if a pastor is a woman, she preach in a particular way because she's a woman. You cannot say that a person is not affected by who he is. You cannot say that a person is not affected by what he does or, 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 or what he is in reality. It affects us in a way. How I write, because of who I am in certain realities, plus the Holy Spirit. But who the vessel is always affects whatever you are doing. So a prophet must also examine how come none of these magical tricks lead people to listen to the makane. <laughs> I mean, how come you can say, you have seen something, you lack. There's a certain book I've seen in the spirit. When you hold it, mega church, your ministry will change. Take it, one. Now, you see, we, 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 well, how come there are no visions like that? Or prophecies like that? Every day, I see a certain car park on a hill. Your business is not working because your car is parked on the hill. Unless I release it from that hill, your taxi can never work. If you are a teacher, you ask yourself, why are you teaching people? To be rich? Is that the aim of a church? The aim of a church is not to make people rich. So if all your teaching are just pointing to riches, you have to question yourself. Do you understand? Riches are also important. And there is a time that we teach about it. But we are not a bank. <laughs> we are not a motivational institution. We are not a business school. We are not a school of commerce. We are not a university. We are not a, a, a management institution. It's not an MBA class. It's a church. You understand? And there is a difference between a church and all these things. So what your work is must also point to the harvest. If you are a healer and God uses you to do miracles, you have to ask yourself, why are these miracles happening? So when they happen, what will you use it for? One day Kenneth Hagin was talking about people who had miracles. He said, I saw a man, he said he could open the eyes of the blind. He, I think he went to a deaf and dumb school. He said, right before your eyes, See, 15 deaf and dumb people, all of them speaking. Blind people, all of them, their eyes will open. He said, I watched as the man had signs and wonders. And as soon as he did those miracles, he would take an offering. And he said, one day he was in the room, the man took an offering. And he, he used the gift that he, that was operating to Take money from the people. You see, but you can use that gift to bring people to Christ. Or to direct people in a particular way. He said one day, he was on stage. He was watching this man. He was sitting on stage. The man was a prophet. Accurate. He told somebody, he said, in your house there is a chest of drawers. The second drawer at the back, there is something there. It is this. It was given to you by a father. Is it true? Said there's no way this man could have known my house, second drawer on the left, this, and there's whatever there. He said, The Lord says you should give it to me. Straight. And the guy went to his house and he took the thing out and brought it to the man. Do you know what he said? He said, When he was sitting on the stage, he heard a voice from behind 
saying familiar spirits. A voice said familiar that that prophet was operating with familiar spirits. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. You see, every prophet, teacher, evangelist, healer, what do you use the healing for? When people are healed and people are touched and say healed, whatever it is, all ministries must point to the harvest. And you, it's a sign you can use to see the authenticity of a ministry. Because a minister is not a bank manager. He's a minister of Christ. Whether he's a prophetic, apostolic, teaching, evangelistic, pastoral, a church must have the mission of its savior and its master at the front of his eyes all the time. No matter what. And so, that is a very important thing for you and I to remember. No matter who you become and how you become. And no matter who you see on television doing whatever, ask yourself, is this ministry bringing people to Christ? I once went to preach at a church in, in Ghana, a large, one of the largest churches. I was the last speaker at that program. I preached about hell. Pure hell. <laughs> I was the last couple. They have never invited me since then. <laughs> pure hell. Pure. And my, and my, uh, my, 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 uh, scripture that I used to preach that it was John 3.16 God so loved the world I just read that verse and I closed my Bible that we should not perish that we should not perish but have everlasting life hey it was not easy that day so when I finished and I was going the pastor of the church big church he came with me to my car. He said, you are the only person who has made an altar call in this convention since Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is the last day. No, no. A prophet, international, people, big, whatever. Altar call. You see, this one saying that we have to ask ourselves, is our great whatever we are doing pointing to the harvest of souls? And you may point from the prophetic eye. You may point from the international eye. You may point from the teacher's eye. You may point from the apostolic eye. Or the healer's eye. Or the compassionate eye. Whatever eye you are pointing from. Your viewpoint depends on your point of view. But it must lead to one place. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. It's a faithful saying. We cannot change that. This is what Christ came to do. I went to a church one year. I was invited and I preached John 3, 16. Again, I, I like to preach John 3, 16. But you see, pastors feel that when you are grown or things are, you don't use such verses. The next year, they, invite, they, they, they invited me back. That was another church. This one, another big church. So the following year, when I went, you know what I preached? John three seventeen. <laughs> God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. What do you think? Powerful. Powerful. Poderoso. Muy poderoso. The fact that God is blessing your church and things are going does not mean that you have to change your church into a stock exchange to come and teach us how to do stock exchange. There is nothing wrong with a, pa- a pastor knowing how to do stock exchange or any of you going to the stock exchange to sell 
whatever you are selling or buy whatever you are buying from there. But what we are saying is that the church, the reason for a church, you can't change it. If you send your children to my school and it is class 1 or class 2 and I have to teach them maths, English, uh, writing, languages, French, English, and what else? Arithmetic, art, whatever. And when they come, I send them to farm. (laughs) And the whole week, the whole week, they are farming. (laughs) Weeping. Will you be happy with my school? Are you against farming? Are you against farming? If you are against farming, you are against eating. It is farms which bring food. But my point is that it's not a farming school. It's not about farming. We've come to learn maths, English, writing, drawing, spelling. That is why we brought our child. And that's why we have paid the school fees. And you are changing the reason for the thing. Not agriculture. I say farming. They are weeding, watering, planting. Weeding. The teacher's farm. <laughs> it's the teacher's farm. What do you think? Is it powerful? One day, I was somewhere. And it was about 1 a.m. in the night. And I heard some shouting. So I looked out of my window. And I saw a man and a woman quarreling. Hey! White people! They were quarreling. And the man got into his car. And he drove away from the house. And he turned the car and aimed the car at the house and he drove the car to the house I think he I think he used the back or the front and he came to the house pow and he came out of the car his father came to see the door went and started screaming and shouting then he came back into the car again took the car back I was just what was like a film. I said, hey, these white people, what is wrong with them? They want to kill themselves. The house started to shake and break. Then he went again about three times. And he would go inside the house. Then the woman would come out. Then she would go back inside. Like that. Until he finally took the car and drove off. So I said, hey. And suddenly I saw some lights flashing. And I looked out of the window again. What did I see? Police. About four police cars. So the woman was out. Other people came. And then they went. Two days later, I was in the same place where I was when I pulled back the curtain and I saw. <laughs> and I heard a knock on the door. Coco, coco, coco. So when I looked, who was that? A policeman. So when I opened the door, he said, Who are you? I said, I am Mr. Dad. So they asked me, two nights ago, something happened here. Did you see anything? I said, me? (laughs) Did I see? Did I see anything? (laughs) I was quiet. I was wondering, hey, which problem am I coming to enter now? So I said, I saw. I saw. 
Because I saw. What did you see? So I told them what I saw. Very good. What is your name? What is your number? We need you to come to court. To come and bear witness of what you see. So, they gave me the date for the court. So when I went to court, what did you see? I told them. Number one, the human body contains a brain. The judge was there and I was speaking. The human body contains a brain which is connected to a spinal cord. So now, I want to explain to you about the cardiovascular system. So the judge said, ah, we, the question is, did you see something? I said, no. The heart has got two left ventricles, right ventricles, auricles, and whatever. I started to give them biology lessons. So the judge was saying, ah, is he mad? Then I changed from cardiovascular to gastrointestinal system. Lectures on gastrointestinal systems. Now the police and the judges were now getting wilder. As I was explaining the small, so that the stomach leads to the duodenum, which has a curve, and in the curve of the duodenum, you have the pancreas, which feeds certain pancreatic amylase and other intestinal juices. Then the sergeant got up and said, this man is not normal. He's a useless witness. Sack him from the court. (laughs) Because we are interested in only one thing. What did you see? What do you know? And you are telling us biology. Then as they were taking me out, I said, no, I can also tell you physics. Light waves. Heat. Convection, conduction. Newton's loss. Then they said, will you clear out of there? So I said, bye-bye. Hey! What a useless witness I was. Now, the part from the going to court onwards is not true. Because I didn't go to court. You see, you believe, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But I should have gone to call. uh, When the man was there, I should have. I gave him a number. I said, Use this number if you want to reach me. Call this number. It was not really my number, it was a number that you can get to. But I said, look, I'm very busy. I don't have time to be a witness. I don't have time to come to court to see some white people who were fighting and what they were doing to themselves. You can see for yourself the house. It was broken. (laughs) You see, you see, Christ has called us to be witnesses of him. What do you know about Christ? What have you heard about him? What have you read? What do you know? Just tell us what you know about Christ. Now you are saying stock exchange. Hey! You are saying financial management. You are talking about what are you talking about in the church? The judges, the police, and others said this man is out of his mind. What is he talking about? What we need here at this moment. Is what do you know about Christ? You say he was crucified, this happened, this happened. Tell us. Now you've changed the whole thing. You have brought a different message altogether. How to be rich, how to get money, millionaires, kids, how to be this, whatever. All kinds of things. Except Christ. Christ, what he said in Christ, we don't mention it at all. That is how it was when I went to the court. And they asked me, I said, yeah, being a doctor, I would like to share 
They were surprised. When I was telling them, I said, look, I would like to share with you my medical knowledge of the gastrointestinal system. Don't you want to know with your big stomach, policeman, when I share with you? They were shocked. They were shocked that a black man like me could speak like that. Hey! I started to tell them about the cardiovascular system. Cardio what? Did you see? You see, the witnessing part was too simple for me. You see, I'm higher than just talking about simple things. So being a doctor, you know, since I saw a man, he reversed his car and he came out. I was, I mean, it's too basic. Let me share some of the complex things that I know. You get what I'm talking about. That's why I started to go into my medicine and, and I, you know, at the point I wanted to share some pharmacology with them and some ophthalmology with them and some orthopedics with them. Some psychiatry to put some sense into their madness. They, they didn't give me a chance. The witnessing thing was too simple. You get for somebody like me. Somebody like me with my type of brains. Hey. You see what pastors are doing? It's like the gospel is too simple for somebody like you. It's too basic. It's too basic. It's too, it's too, it's too basic. So you have to come up with something, something new. Which is not, 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 it's not a place for that thing. We are not saying that thing is a bad thing, but this is not where it is talked about. But you see, because, you know, I thought, I'm a doctor man. When they ask me what I say, I'm Dr. Dark. Don't call me Mr. Dag again, Dr. Dag. Yeah. I asked them, do you know bacteriology? 10% of your life is gone. Do you know parasitology? You don't know. 20% of your life is gone. The judge said, what percent? I said, 20% of your life is gone. You don't know parasitology. Hey! Do you know anthropology? Even you don't know anthropology. So brothers and sisters, we have become some complex people. We, sometimes when you listen to us preach, you don't know what we are talking about. Which, what, subject, what is the subject? Why is it? Why is it? That's why I love, you know, I hope God will give me another chance to go and preach at some of these places. These are the verses. Like John 1, 12. John 3, 16. John 3, 17. And what again? John, John 10, 10. Simple. About Jesus. Jesus Christ. All I've seen. And come short of the glory of Or I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Hey! Have I told you the story about Margaret? Huh? Margaret. <laughs> All right. We have about 82 reasons. <laughs> All soul winning, all ministries, apostles, prophets. Healers must point where? To the harvest, to Jesus Christ. Amen. Number 19. We must be soul winners because soul winning helps the church to avoid the mistake of distractions. Different distractions. Side roads, side curves of the church. Who is my polisher? Where's my polisher and my coins? I need my coins here, please. The one who has taken my coins, I don't want trouble. Just bring my coins and put it here. And I need one person to come and polish. Number 18. Number 19. Number 19. Let us avoid. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, verse 48. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. 
The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of. You see, Bible says, if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord is delaying, what will he do? He shall begin to smite his fellow servants. Everybody say, smite your fellow servants. Instead of doing the work of God, what are you doing? You are smiting fellow servants. A fellow church. You have the time to comment about a fellow church. You have the time to comment about a fellow preacher who is trying to do something on television. It's because you don't have anything to do. When you are involved in soul winning and you see somebody winning a soul or trying to do anything, you will not rise up and smite him. It is because you are not focusing on the work that your master left you to do. That is why you have time to smite your fellow servants in your idleness. Idle people are the ones who criticize and who attack fellow ministers. I Idleness. When you are idle, that's why you have time to comment. And as for Bishop, all his books are about this and that. Have you written a letter before? Just a letter. Have you written a letter before? Why don't you focus on yours? Have you written a tract before? Why don't you try and see if you can make one and sell 100 copies? Whether anybody will buy or 1,000 copies. Or give it out free. Before you start to criticize over 4 million books that I have published. Yeah. You see, you are not doing much. Idleness is making you think. Sometimes when people are idle, their minds go too far. When you start working hard, you think good thoughts. Yeah. That's why all missionary wives should work. And you don't work anywhere in the house. So many ideas. By the time your husband is coming back, you are planning how to smite him. (laughs) How to smite him in the house. Because you don't have anything to do. So you are there all day planning your smiting. (laughs) How I may smite him when he comes back. Hey! Steps to smiting. By the time he comes back, he will be thinking that he's coming to peace. Not knowing that you, are, you have thought about so many things. When he can say, you come, come in. Come. Number one. Number two. Number three. And especially number four. I have evidence about number four. Open your bag. Remove your shoes. Let me see the footprint of your shoe. I've seen this footprint somewhere. Hey. Fellow servants, idleness is making you smite your fellow servants. Amen. Number 21. 20. Hey, we have 81 reasons more. So winning helps us to avoid the sin of procrastination. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only? And he said, tomorrow. I, I don't think you got it. Moses had brought frogs. They were in Pharaoh's house. They were in his fridge. They were in his porridge bowl when he was going to import it. In his tea. What is that? Is it empty? Yeah, pour it over there. And get one polisher. <laughs> Who is going to polish? 
No, he went for the offering. Come. You are not afraid of God. Come. Get your handkerchief. Borrow, ask your, the guy in the blue shirt. He has one. You see, you, you don't want to polish because it looks silly. And that's how we look like in the spirit. Just doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, ah, brother. Come, you get one. Get the guy who polished the first coin. Borrow his handkerchief. Is there any need in polishing these same coins? The guy has polished the whole thing. Now he's coming to polish the same thing. That is why sometimes... Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, tell me. He's polishing Gertrude now. Gertrude, he's been polished. Put Gertrude down. Take John. Mm-hmm. Okay, put him down. Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Mpumalanga. Mr. Robert. Just be polishing them. They were polished just a few hours, but polish them again. That is why sometimes we don't respond to invitations to come and polish the same coins again. That's why sometimes we don't have camps coming to say the same thing to the same people over and over again who will not do anything. Brother, polish. You will be there. <laughs> Moses said, when should I take away the frogs? And Pharaoh said, when? Everybody say, Tomorrow. Why should you take away the frogs tomorrow when you could have taken the frogs away today? Now, many times there is a spirit of delay in the work of God. When you become a soul winner, the agency of this work will grip you and you will, be, you will realize how necessary it is for you to get into the work of the Lord. Amen. Number 21. You must be a soul. Now, do you want to know what William Borden said? How many want to know what William Borden? Do you know William Borden? I also don't know him. But do you want to know what he said? (laughs) He said, no reserves. No regrets. No retreats. Amen. That's what he said. No, No reserve. No holding back. No regret. We have not changed our mind. And no retreats. No going back. As far as the gospel is concerned. No reserve. No regrets. No retreats. Amen. 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 Are you listening to me? me. Number 21. You must be a soul winner because that is the reason why Jesus came to this earth. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. That's the reason why Jesus came. Why should we do something else if we are following our Savior? And that is why he came. Why don't we do what he said we should do? Amen. Number 22. Soul winning is important if we want to be Christ-like. All right? Soul winning is important if we want to be Christ-like. Christ was a soul winner. How many want to, people to say you are Christ-like? Oh, Julie, you are Christ-like. Oh, Rosina, you are Christ-like. Oh, Rosalinda, you are Christ-like. Oh, Rosemond, you are Christ-like. Oh, Rose, you are Christ-like. Oh, Rosie, you are Christ-like. Christ-like doesn't mean you just smile like a sheep who doesn't know what he's thinking about. Christ-like means to be like Christ. It doesn't mean to have a sheepish smile for everyone. There are people who feel that Christ was always smiling and nice to everybody. (laughs) That's not Christ-like. Christ-like means like Christ. And there's nowhere in the Bible saying he was always smiling to people. But it says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that verse is quoted in Luke 19.10 after he met Zacchaeus. 
He says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He met Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Alright? Around from verse 1, he entered Jericho 2, 3, 4. He was meeting Zacchaeus around verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And then he explains what he did. He said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. What do you think? Huh? Are you listening to me? Yeah, Christ-like. Christ-like pastor. Christ-like prophet. Christ-like shepherd. Christ-like South African. Christ-like means being like Christ. Seeking and saving that which is lost. Amen. How many reasons do you have? 20. 22. 23. You must be a soul winner because every Christian is basically a witness of what he has experienced with Christ. Amen? That is what I was sharing with you. That they called me to be a witness. And what did I go and do? I went to give medical lectures. Is it not sad? Amen? But you shall receive power. Did you get the reason number 23? Because every Christian is basically a witness. A witness. A witness. So, so you sleeping? I saw you. Do you see how tender I am? Tenderness. Softly. Gently. Ah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. How many are glad that you can be away? When they call you to speak, what will you talk about? Jesus. In the future, don't change it and say, I'm here to talk about empowerment. Black empowerment. Will you walk out of the church and go somewhere else and talk about that? Empowerment. Financial empowerment of the masses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power. You shall receive what? Power. Power After that the what? Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my financial advisor. You shall be my financial consultant. You shall be my manager of human resources. You shall be my what? Witness. Is it too simple for you? Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? Too big to be a witness. Amen. What do you think? Polisher. What is your name? Shitembizo. Shitembizo. Exembizo. Exbizo. X. Your name is X. Ooh. Have you taken a picture of him? You'll be surprised to see him in a calendar, the church calendar. Yes. Polishing coins. Do you know James Stewart? Do you want to know what he said? Do you really want to know what he said? Listen to what James Stewart said. He said the concern for world evangelization is not something packed onto a man's personal Christianity, which he may take or leave as he chooses. That's something you can take or leave as as you choose. It is rooted in the character of God who came to us in Christ Jesus. Thus, it can never be the province of a few enthusiasts or a sideline or a specialty of those who happen to have a bent in that way. It is a distinctive mark of being a Christian. That is the concern for world evangelization. It's not something for some few people who are emotionally, you know, bent in that way. It's a distinctive mark of being a Christian is to be concerned about evangelization of the world. Amen. 
Do you know Stuart Holden? I said, do you know Stuart Holden? Do you, know, do you want to know what he said? Listen to what he said. Go ye is as much a part of Christ's gospel as come unto me. The same one who said go ye is the one who said come unto me. You are not even a Christian until you have honestly faced your responsibility in regard to the carrying of the gospel to the ends of the world. As far as it's concerned, you are not a Christian if you have not faced your responsibility of carrying the gospel to the ends of the world. Amen. Amen. Number 24. You must be a soul winner because the harvest is overwhelmingly gigantic. And very few Christians concern themselves with this work. Amen. I'll say it again. You must be a soul winner because what? The harvest is overwhelmed. Do you know how to spell overwhelm? O-V-E-R-whelming W-H-E-L W-H-E-L M-I Are you getting it? N-G L-Y Overwhelmingly Did you get it? Gigantic. You want to know how to spell gigantic? G-I-G a-N-T-I-C. And very few Christians concern themselves with this work. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Amen. Matthew 9, verse 37. 25. Soul winning is important because it proves that you have the heart of your father which was moved with compassion for the lost the heart of the father amen how many know that it's important for us to have the heart of the father amen only four people think that it's important okay pardon oh oui c'est bon When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as having, as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. So when it's important, because it proves you have the heart, amen, of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. 26. Now, how many want to have the heart of your father? Like the prodigal son and the other boy, you know, he was in his father's house. He had his father's goods, his father's house, but he didn't have his father's heart. So when the boy was coming back home, the lost boy was coming, he was not happy with the boy. In it. I said, in it. When I say in it, you say in it. In it. Yeah. He was not happy with the boy. Isn't it not amazing? You can be in your father's house, but you don't have his heart. That prodigal boy, he should thank God that he came before his father died. Because if his father had died before he came, it would not have been easy in the house. There are a lot of things you must take advantage of the presence of your father. To do them before he goes. Because when he is gone, a lot of things will, will not be the same. Never the same again. Amen. You're never the same again when the Father's heart is not there. Amen. Are you listening to me? How many want to have the Father's house? You want to have his house? No, no, his house. You don't want his house too. If he's giving you his house, you don't like his house. How many want his goods? All your father's goods. How many want your father's properties? Of course, you should want your father. Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, it's a mistake. You must want your father's properties. You want your father's cars. Your father's goodies. What about your father's heart? 
That is the one that's very important. You need to have your father's heart. If you don't have the father's heart, but you have his prosperity, but you don't have his heart, that's when you will not give the money to support the gospel. He's giving you, the, the Lord has given you his goodies. He's giving you his money. He's giving you his strength. But he, you don't have his heart. So the money is going into all kinds of directions. And, and that's why the devil gives a lot of money to a lot of rich people and gives them a mind which never releases money to help the gospel. Yes. Most, unbelie- most money is in the hands of unbelievers. But they will never release that money. If they are giving to the gospel peanuts. Amen. Sing something for us before we all die of sleep.
This message continues on the next track. Keep listening. <laughs> 